This is Monocle On Design, a show where we unpack everything from architecture and craft to furniture and fashion. I'm Nick Manese. On today's show, we have a long conversation with Lawrence Steele, creative director of Milanese clothing brand Aspesi. Plus, the furniture designer, Kashida Mensa shares her creative journey and inspiration. All that coming up on Monocle On Design. The Italian clothing label Aspesi has been fashioning fine garments since Alberto Aspesi founded the brand back in 1969. Its current creative director is Lawrence Steele, a designer whose history with the label is long. Born in the US, Lawrence moved frequently in his youth, including stints in Germany, Spain, Japan and then Midwestern America, before landing in Italy as an adult. After initially taking roles with Moschino and Prada, he started a 13-year stint as a consultant for Aspesi in 2004, which was followed by three years at Marnie. He returned to Aspesi as creative director of the entire brand in 2020 and has gone on to refine the label's demure medley of timeless Italian basics. Monocle's fashion editor, Natalie Theodosi, caught up with Lawrence at the lively Aspesi showroom during Milan Fashion Week. She began by asking how the brand has evolved since his appointment. There are several different levels of um, working as a creative director as opposed to as a designer on a collection. Uh, the main thing is finding new ways to communicate in a sort of viral way to the team, you know. And the team is built of creatives, but it's also built of commercial people. What you want is that everybody has a holistic idea of what the brand is about. So creating a language, terminology that brings to mind the same way to everyone, an ideal is the first goal. And so in that sense, you know, in the language that I've been using, um, I've been speaking about Aspasy as a wardrobe, um, a wardrobe as opposed to a collection, because you can imagine that someone has chosen the pieces and that each piece has been chosen because it's been necessary and that those pieces maybe work together in order to make an identity. It's the first way of going about it so that we're kind of removed from the idea of like making a look for each season and more honed in on adding something to the collection of pieces that wasn't there before, um, needs to be there or needs to be updated. The language is the first thing. For me, it was essential to recuperate the codes. I've been in love with the brand for such a long time. I feel that it, it was in the vanguard um, already 30 years ago when um, the idea was to focus on product and kind of evergreens. There are lots of companies that do that. I mean, you think of, uh, I don't know, Levi's or Carhartt or Barber, but brands that kind of do these very specific things. The idea of doing it on a vaster sort of uh, conception of pieces was very forward thinking. And I think that fashion has kind of caught up with that idea. Now there's this whole thing of how society has changed, how we're contemplating gender, how we're contemplating consumerism to a degree. And the fact that you can buy an object that you invest in and that you want to keep for more time puts focus on function and on a, a sense of reality and quality that I think is an, another interesting challenge. So putting that forward as part of the language that we're speaking in the offices and a way that we're understanding the garments that are standing in front of us has been the main focus. 
there's also a photographic sort of representation mm -hmm. of the idea and kind of choosing a way to reiterate that same concept. I've chosen the metaphor of the family, which is in my mind an Italian thing, right? A very essential part of Italian life where you have um, a common culture. There's a spirit that has been ingrained in people from generation to generation, from parents to children. The fact is that that culture is interpreted in different ways by the different members of the family. So you have the brother that might, uh, you know, want to express himself against the grain of those ideas or, or towards those, and a sister or, you know, an older brother or mother or father, and eventually how objects in this household can be worn or passed from one to the other and take on different meanings. In that sense, when we're looking at an object that's an evergreen in the collection, we're also looking to bring it to someone new and figuring out, is it in the fabrication? Is it in the color? Is it in the way we put it together with something else? Is it taking away a sizing system that defines it as masculine or feminine and start using a new sizing system, one, two, three, four, five, that opens the choice and the interpretation of what the object is, which simultaneously maybe helps production reduce the volume of pieces being manufactured and concentrate the volume being produced to get a better cost uh, quality ratio. The work that I'm doing is sort of like honing in on a concept that is common for all of us to look at and then from which each side of the business can kind of uh, relate to, to then send out outwards as a message. It's great that you speak about approaching this as a wardrobe rather than changing a look or creating a look every six months. Is part of that formula really thinking a lot more about the fabrics that you use and the quality of materials, who's making them. I mean, these are conversations that everyone is starting to have a lot more, but I imagine that in uh, a brand like Aspicy, it's even more of a priority. Uh, well, definitely fabrics have been a major part of building the work that we do, and it's the easiest way to transform an object from one thing into another through fabrication. Mm -hmm. But I would say that Aspicy <coughs> is more focused on the authentic. And so when we do research in fabrics, it's more about creating something that has an authentic quality. So if we're working with the wool, it's like, where are we sourcing that wool from? If it's a, a Shetland, maybe it comes from a particular fabric manufacturer. If it's for nylons, maybe there's a technical quality. So it's more about creating an authentic garment more than defining the look and, and feel of a piece. We want the object to feel like it's almost always existed. It doesn't have to seem necessarily new, but it has to seem desirable in your wardrobe. This particular season, I started from a desire to communicate to the team, since we're quite known for a lived-in, natural, kind of comfortable thing, washed cottons and, and worn-in jackets and stuff like that. I wanted to remind people that Aspacy is also about rigorous dressing. The idea was, what can I do to kind of bring in an emphasis on that? And I kind of invented this very abstract idea of punked monks getting down and meditating. And it's like absurd as a phrase. For me, it's a 
urban solemn because we're speaking about a wardrobe and not really about literal monks, but it's this kind of like worn, washed, comfortable, honest, earnest uh, clothing. And the, uh, the idea of being punked monks means like kind of contrasting them with something more industrial, more hard, more pop in a certain kind of way. The juxtaposition of maybe our more conventional clothing with something less conventional, um, but still quite industrial, meant finding rubber mats um, and bringing them into the language, and maybe it's something that we hadn't done before, but it's still a classic. Or finding nylons that have been rubberized that are ultra light and still have a technical feature of being breathable, uh, but giving you a finish that is something different than the nylon taftas that we've been using, or chintzing a nylon so that it's lacquered and suddenly becomes very brilliant. And working those things in contrast to the more humble Harris tweeds or chambrays or, or gabardines, even mohair, mixing it with metallics. The idea of how these things talk to each other and the personality that comes out of a garment or a juxtaposition of two or three garments that come from different worlds. Almost as if you take something that's from the 70s and then something that's from the 90s and something that's from the 2020s and how they live together. And it's like the origin versus the future of something. And it's a way to play and to release yourself from the way that you normally see things, to see things slightly anew and to speak to someone in a new way. Lawrence Steele, in conversation with Monocle's fashion editor, Natalie Theodosi, will rejoin their conversation later in the show. Spain is the land of sun, sea and sangria. And each visitor jets off to its sunny beaches and vibrant cities for a dose of that Spanish buena vida. Monocle's newest handbook to Spain is on shelves now, where we explore the best places to eat, shop, stay, and wander in this colorful country. Inside, we check in with the hoteliers offering luxury seaside stays and urban getaways, local creatives weaving the old with the new, and leading chefs plating up exciting new dishes. For those hoping to put down roots, this handbook also highlights the perfect neighborhoods for you to call home and gets suggestions from the entrepreneurs who have already taken the plunge. Head to monocle.com slash shop to order your copy of Spain, the Monocle Handbook, today. Kushida Mensah is a British-born Ghanaian designer who came to furniture making by way of producing prints. Her take on design is bold, playful and sparks conversation – an approach that is embodied in her debut collection of furniture. Called Mutual, its abstract forms promote social interaction. It's work that's seen her recognised as a finalist in the most recent iteration of the prestigious Hublot Design Prize. To discuss this work and provide insight on her shifting design inspirations, Kushida dropped by our studio at Midori House. My first responses to design were I guess my mum and my aunties Ghana is really rich in textiles and textile design so many different forms so many different patterns all of your fabric textiles materials all have messages within them hey my name's Kashida Mensa. I run a design studio called Modular by Mensa. 
I had an uncle who did fashion design. When I first started out, I wanted to do fashion design. Tutors warned me that like all my work was more like pattern based, like form based, maybe product design. And I was like, no, you're just trying to kill my dreams of being a fashion designer. And then I left school for a year, basically being like, what am I going to do? Started a, a course at LCC called Surface Design at the time. Much like actually the materials and textiles that I grew up with, with the messaging, I would screen print like what I was feeling that day. Some of the screen prints that I would make were like different emotions or something that I wanted to portray, just like a message. And then I just was looking at the works thinking if I wanted to make a physical form, like how would I do this? How would I marry what I'm like now currently interested in, which was furniture design with pattern. And then my final year, I screen printed on suede and then made it into like a modular shapes. And then I built it up into a sculpture. It was really artsy for, for that course because everybody was literally just printing on fabrics and then just pinning them up on the wall for the end of year show. And I just thought it was so boring. My first collection was Mutual. At the time, I had loads of friends who weren't feeling themselves because of social media and the impact it was having on them, their mental health. And again, trying to figure out how I could problem solve and respond to like people's feelings, emotions. I picked out some of the forms in that screen prints and then tweaked it, like I think on Photoshop. I started building these shapes that connected. That was also the plan as well, to make it feel playful and exciting to touch. Like, tactility was really important. Coming from a textiles background, you always want to touch something because of the way it looks, feels, whatever. So I wanted to translate that into these forms and they're very bold and you can't miss them. So it was almost like also invited to configure your own social space and feel comfortable in that setting, in that space then to invite others. The original mutual collection is like 20 pieces. When I first started it, I was like, I think it would be great in like a large social space as like a like public installation almost. I went to Salone in Milan and made three pieces almost like as a test. People would like just chat to random strangers, wouldn't look at their phone for like an hour, wouldn't realise they were even sitting in my booth for an hour. And they were like, oh gosh, this really like works in a way. It feels like these forms or pieces, or if you want to call it furniture, is bringing people together. When I first started, Werner Panton and Ettore Sotsas definitely were, I mean, they're legends, but those were the people that I was focusing on because I was like, how experimental that they were at the time. The more I've been in design and, like, doing trade shows, I've realised that actually the people who just inspire me are the ones that, like, have absolutely incredible ideas. I guess when you're in the design world and you're getting to know people that are either your peers or people that you look towards, I feel fine that they become inspirational. You can always take inspiration from the greats, but I feel like I'm taking more inspiration from peers. I recently worked on a project, it's called the Black and White Building, it's in Shoreditch, and I made a piece for like their foyer and there were five British designers selected to be part of that build and create pieces for that space, which 
felt sustainable. And even the artist that I met there, Andy Masembo, his practice is based around just like materials that are accessible and that you can get and that are almost like reusable and actually challenges the consumer to um, just make sure that they're taking care of this product and it will be passed on and have a life cycle in a way it's not wasteful. He made the pieces out of wasted timber and materials, but made it into something beautiful. And then once he's done that, he's challenging the consumer to also keep that beauty and that longevity throughout the course of its life. It's the stories that I'm so inspired by. My main focus this year, I think, is currently pregnant, so pop out the baby first <laughs> and then figure out how I can create this like cross collaboration. I'm finding like artists back home, um, home West Africa and Africa, the continent, just really inspiring the things that they're producing, the essence of like what blackness means. And I'm just hoping to create some kind of like a bridge where People here, the diaspora, and people there can work together really easily, which is really hard because of material costs. I know this gets into like logistics and stuff, but how can we work together and create beautiful things, but still hold the essence of who we are and tell our own stories? Every concept I have or idea I have, I'm like, how do I make that not wasteful? Or how do I create art that exists in the world but really means something? This is also another reason why I haven't also made much stuff because even like mutual feels like really conceptual. It was built off a concept of thinking, how can I turn design forms or furniture shapes to bring people together? in a way that feels like they're encouraged to create like their own social spaces and communicate. It just seems such a shame for it not to be used or for it to be thrown away. I think because of the modular, I think people always think furniture, but definitely I want to explore like lighting, creating spaces, like actually building spaces. The designer Kushida Mensa there We'll be right back after this. Monocle's fresh out of the blocks March issue asks if the automotive industry is heading in the right direction with an in-depth dive into the future of electric vehicles, plus the potholes along the way. Elsewhere in the issue, we offer a common sense manifesto for the future of business that's more bulls and bears than it is unicorns and fancy valuations. Plus, architect Ivan Ivanov's new Aussie vernacular, a crafty new inn in Fukuoka, and a review of Europe's best new factories for fashion brands looking to make it at home. Buy the issue today or do the right thing and subscribe so you never miss a beat. Head to monocle.com slash subscribe for more. Now we return to our conversation between Lawrence Steele, creative director at Milanese clothing label Aspessi, and Monocle's fashion editor, Natalie Theodosi. Let's hear how the news and a lifetime of travelling and working across the globe enriches this designer's approach to creativity. 
I come from uh, another country. I live in a country that's not my own. I've traveled and lived in different countries on my way to coming to Italy. So I'm an outsider looking. And so things come to my attention. I'm very curious about what's going on everywhere. And um, I'm an avid reader and like a voyeur to some degree. So I'm interested in what people have to say and things that are in the newspapers, what's going on. I think creativity is really about communicating concrete ideas through the abstract and the metaphor is a great way. It's interesting also that you say you look at the world or even the news for inspiration rather than what some artists or creatives are, tend to do which is live more within mm. a bubble or look mm. at more obvious sources of inspiration whether it's a piece of art or um, you know, a film, those kind of uh, areas. I studied at the Art Institute of Chicago and we were taught to look inward and at the world for what artists were inspired by to begin with, from the beginning of history to now. It's human culture that um, really inspires artists. And culture is something that's intangible. It exists as a fragrance around things. And if you're actually living your real life, you know, it's happening to you, you know, and so it's a question of picking up those things and turning them into art. There's also a layer of, uh, if I say the word pop, I know that I can dig into an ocean of inspiration. I can go pop art and think of Warhol, or um, I can think of Jeff Koons. And then you think, well, those are two different versions of pop, and then there's the art itself, and it becomes a universe. That always exists there as a sort of paintbrush. But the real ideas that make you want to paint something or to build a brand, because for me, branding is like painting. You think of Coca-Cola, right? And you think, oh, wasn't there that advertising where who had kissed a can of Coke? And they had Elvis and, and Marilyn and, and all these people and the romance that became the Coca-Cola bottle the can or then there's an image that I have of a coke can on the moon and you think well that's the human footprint when you think of branding that's sugar water at the end of the day but there's a spirit that's gone into talking about what it represents which is freedom which is the new world which is pleasure which is maybe something radical like I want to be radical so I drink coke instead of something else and you can say this about beer or champagne or clothing or stuff like that but being authentic you want to not just talk about some abstract thing that doesn't really resonate with what you're doing artistic means talking about something and it being mirrored in the object that you make I love how you, that your comparison to Coca-Cola and beer and champagne, that, you know, it, it, we can look at the same product in, in some case, sugar water, but, but really create we're stories about around, yes, around that stories. product and keep renewing those stories. Because in fashion, I think we do have an obsession to change and to keep looking for the new, but maybe sometimes that's not what... The answer really is? I always think that fashion is something that you can never see in the moment. Fashion, to me, you can only see in retrospect. Um, you can look back and say, that was the fashion of that period, right? You can say, the 60s were that, and the 70s were that, and the 80s were that. But while we were in those years, it wasn't so clear. What you actually saw was the culture of a specific time 
being expressed instinctively. You have to learn how to step away and hear the words that are repeated in people's mouths. When they become a, a sort of mantra, sustainability, sustainability, identity, identity, sexuality, sexuality, consumerism, walls, nations, immigration, all these things come together and you say, well, what do I think about these things? You know, this is the culture that I'm in. And, and how does uh, immigration and identity and, and fluidity mean something to me? I am this person that's the outsider. I am living this thing. I am without a nation. I don't identify necessarily with one culture, but I am the generation that saw globalism as like, a chance to visit the world and be on a singular spaceship traveling through the universe. And so my point of view and what I can dig in when I'm looking inside to create these metaphors that I'm sharing with my team comes from what I'm hearing and what I'm reading and what I'm seeing. And only when we look back in 10 years time or 15 will we be able to say it was valid and it was fashion because it was of that time dressing, living here now, and also having lived all these other lives and, and experienced other cultures. How has it all come together in this moment that's, in your life? That's a very long story to tell. <laughs> um, when I arrived in Italy, of course, the impact was how incredibly beautiful this country is, how beautiful the Italians are, the language of love, the care of making food and living quality of life where they took time to share the importance of family, all these things were the first things that I perceived obviously when I came and it was a very different country. I arrived in the mid 80s and uh, Italy has been full of immigrants since the ancient Romans, right? But the time that I came, it was like a new moment where the world was opening up and I learned a lot about my own country and learned about America. America by having this experience. I'm an American who's lived in Spain, Germany, Japan, Italy, traveled the world, but I'm creative director of a very Italian, very Milanese brand. What I try to bring is my rationalism, but to not lose the authenticity of the care that there was given in creating the ethos for the brand. But there's the future, and I'm moving the brand towards alongside that future. And it's a mission that I'm best cut out for, exactly because I happened at the right place at the right time. And when you think about the future for the brand and, and your personal work, but also the industry we work in and how we are navigating the world and all these shifts that's happening, what do you foresee? Again, a big question, but I'm sure you have hmm. interesting insights. My ideal for the brand would be to come up with a hundred objects that I never have to touch again, that are so perfectly authentic, so iconic, so archetypical, that they don't need to be designed ever again. And so that energy is not wasted. And perhaps they don't even have to be fabricated again. There are brands that are out there that have done that. I'm wearing a pair of Levi's 517s that were designed in the late 60s, early 70s in Banlon, uh, polyester. I buy them on eBay. I spend $30 for them. I buy them four sizes bigger than my normal size, and they're my own look. 
they exist, they are eternal. It's an object of style. So for me, designing an eternally perfect object is the goal. And for the world, I think consuming less but better is the answer. I think we'll always need to cover our bodies. Um, and perhaps one day it'll be in futuristic garments that will speak back to us and help us to navigate through the world. But at the moment, in my time, it's just being responsible about the energy that you consume. And I mean that spiritually as well. I don't just mean the physical energy that puts gases into the atmosphere. I mean also emotionally and intellectually putting out the right kind of energy that takes us towards, uh, to say a cliche, a more sustainable life. When you think about those eternal objects, is there something within the Aspesi world, the products that you are working on and designing that you feel has that potential? That potential? The brand has deep roots in technical outerwear, nylon products, and within those products there's a lot of very interesting research. Japanese materials that are breathable, ultralight, that protect you from the cold as much as something padded and downfilling. There is a kind of usage of that which is very protective, but has also become an actual garment, like you can make a jacket or a shirt out of it. So it becomes multi-purposed to a degree. So you can wear it on your moped buzzing through Rome, or you can wear it under your jacket, or you can wear it in place of a jacket. It has this kind of universal utility. There are objects that are already there that are in terms of a manufacturing and utility space age, if you want. And I don't see why not. That part of the collection can be something, I don't know, that's set into a distant future. That was Aspessi's creative director, Lawrence Steele, in conversation with Monocle's Natalie Theodosi. And that's all for today's show. For more design stories, listen to our five-minute midweek bonus show, Monocle on Design Extra, which airs on Thursdays. And if you enjoy print, then do pick up a copy of Monocle magazine as well. It's on all good newsstands now. Today's episode was produced by Maylee Evans. I'm Nick Manise, and you can reach me on nm at monocle.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.